Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly, there is nothing that can stop you. It costs much, but it's worth the cost. It costs everything. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm back here with Peter DeWitt, and uh, we're having another one of our Rediscovering Discipleship conversations. Thanks for joining again. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, this is this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one because we're just kind of fitting in and as we as we have time yeah. to have these conversations. Um, in the last one, uh, we kind of discussed what is discipleship, some of the, the thought processes around discipleship what it looks like, um, you know, some people thinking, I, I only need discipled by Jesus. Some people thinking discipleship is one-on-one, having a mentor, spiritual father, mother, and some people, you know, it's, I attend a church, therefore I'm discipled. And it's kind of, we, we came to the conclusion, it's, it's, it's all of it. It's, it's having mm. those environments. Um, and we're ultimately, we're disciples of Jesus, not of an individual or of a church culture. And so the focus is, are you becoming a disciple of Jesus? And we also discussed uh, the king's priest prophet's mandate, which if you haven't heard this, please go back to the other uh, episode and you'll hear a little bit more of that. Or you can go back to uh, my vision message part two, which is king's priest prophets. I really dig into that. But are, are we are we uh, discipling people to fill those three biblical roles as a believer? We're called to those three things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today um, we're we're going to dig in a little bit more and I'm going to let uh, Peter kind of take lead on this but um what does it look like because we're in this process like when we start to follow jesus we we're now brought into the process of sanctification uh and it's not just of us spiritually uh being saved but our our whole self is becoming uh and turning into the likeness of jesus and becoming conformed to the image of christ so peter i'll let i'll let you take it from there and and i'll ask questions and we'll we'll just move with this yeah yeah, it's so good and and this is such a passion of both of ours. And I think that it's fun to even just in these small doses to, to, to share a little bit. Hebrews ten fourteen says you're being perfected forever or you are being, you are perfected and you're being sanctified. So it says this for by one offering, he, Jesus has perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. Hmm. And it's like, well, which is it? Am I perfected forever or am I being sanctified? And the answer of course is both. And so we have the incorruptible seed of Jesus Christ living on the inside of us. When we get born again, the old, dead, dark spirit was taken out of us, and Jesus came to live on the inside of us. And Jesus doesn't need perfected. 
you know, Jesus is perfect. The spirit of God living on the inside of me is, is perfect, you know, um, but I'm also being sanctified. And first Thessalonians four says this so well, it says, finally, then brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us, how you ought to walk and to please God. For, you know, what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the phrase for this is the will of God your sanctification for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Mm. This is such a profound statement. And it's saying that the will of God in the believer's life is their sanctification. And so the, the kind of the theological framework that I operate out of, as it relates to sanctification is I already kind of hinted at, we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body and the spirit as when you're born again, Jesus comes to live on the inside of you. So the spirit man is perfect, you know, and we walk by the spirit. Um, and then the soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. The soul is what gets sanctified. The soul is where the sanctification process occurs. And so you could say that the sanctification process is our soul coming into line with the spirit of Jesus who lives on the inside of us, right? And that's what mm. causes us to look more like Christ. And so oftentimes what happens is someone will get saved and they're like, I know I received Jesus and like Ryan was there and he was praying for me. And like, I not only received Jesus, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I still have an anger problem if I'm honest. Like I had an anger problem mm. before I got saved and I still got an anger problem now. And that, of course, you know, sometimes people get saved and they get miraculously delivered that moment of the anger problem they had before they got saved. But oftentimes that needs to be that salvation, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, needs to be worked out with fear and trembling. And so that as that salvation is worked out, the sanctification process is worked out. And one of the areas sanctification happens is in our emotions. And so we know that Ephesians 4, 26 says, in your anger, do not sin. And so it's like, Oh, I used to be led by my anger, but now if I start to surrender my emotions to, to Jesus, I start to be governed by the word of God, and I start to learn That's to good. harness my emotions according to God's will for my life and according to what his word says. Now I'm not led by my emotions, but instead my emotions serve me, and when my emotions aren't going to serve me or others well, I can actually harness them, right? can mm -hmm. harness my emotions. And so, so you know, that's an example and then we know that Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's another part of the soul. First, you've got your emotions. That's a part of your soul. And that needs discipled. Our emotions need discipled. I think sometimes we don't think about that. We think of discipleship as just a knowledge transfer operation. Once someone has this mm -hmm. body of knowledge, they must be discipled. But emotions need discipled just as much as we need discipled in the truth. And so the 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 Romans 12, two says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's, that's the, 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 the mind, you know, the mind and the emotions. And the last part is the, the will, which I mentioned before Philippians 12, two, two, 12 and 13. And it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so there's really these three parts of the soul that all need discipled. We need mm -hmm. discipled in our mind. We need discipled in the emotions and we need discipled in our wills. And what I want to highlight is that there are also false forms of discipleship. So the mind 
when the mind's discipled, it is renewed according to the word of God, right? The Mm -hmm. false form of a mind being discipled is intellectualism. Conversely, with, with the emotions, when they're discipled according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the fruit of the Spirit are flowing in our lives, it looks like emotions that are harnessed. The false form of the discipleship of emotions is stoicism. That is not God's, that is not what discipleship of emotions look like. Stoicisms mm-hmm. or shutting down emotions yeah. is not what discipleship of emotions look like. It doesn't become, you know, and you've, we've seen this, unfortunately, Christians who are robots. And you're like, who told you not to have emotions anymore? It's like emotions aren't sinful. Not harnessing emotions are is sinful, yeah. right? And then finally, the will. We know that, that when discipleship's functioning in our will, we start to live lives of, of worshipful surrender. The, the, the false form of that discipleship is willpower, you know? And so we've got willpower and it's like, no, 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 it's, this is not about striving. This is about giving ourselves as a, as a living sacrifice unto Christ out of worshipful surrender. That's mm. what discipleship of the will looks like. So, so with the truth, you know, the mind with emotions, which is, a, which is about love, in which the will, which is about obedience, there's both a godly form of what that discipleship looks like, but there, with each of them, there's also a counterfeit. And we need to be aware that we're not talking about what the counterfeit is, but instead what the what the word of God and the spirit of God actually work in his children. Yeah, that's so good. I found this quote by Dallas Willard. He said, we're coming into a time when many churches and Christians who are in leadership positions will be able to say, it's all about discipleship and transformation into Christ-likeness. And I think I think mm. this almost like um, positions us in a in a way that we can see what is the success of of discipleship. Like when discipleship discipleship realized is transformation of, yes. of the whole yes. self. And uh, yes. you, you know, going with the whole triune pattern, you know, it's spirit, soul, and body as well. Mm-hmm. And so, spirit is the obvious one that we get. You know, like we're, we're going to go be in mm-hmm. heaven forever with God, and and, and that peace. Um, and, and being reconnected to the father. And, and now you're talking about the soul. And then there's obviously the body mm-hmm. as well, uh, which is not, yes. not being led by our flesh and all these things. But I think it's a good point that, um, and I think this almost needs reemphasized what you said, because you said you talked about stoicism being the counterfeit of, of emotion. Uh, and, and because we've all seen that, that where somebody's lost a loved one and they're believers, mm-hmm. so they have to, they feel like they have to act strong. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, from pastoral position, anyone who's pastors probably run into that. And then you have to have this conversation of, Hey, it's actually okay to hurt. To you grieve. Need, yeah. You, you have actually to grieve. need, you need to mourn this process or else, you know, blessed are those who are mourned. They, they shall be comforted. You be won't comforted. be comforted yep. until you actually enter the mourning process and uh, people get stuck there or, or become robots, which eventually you will break. Um, yeah. And so I think it's really important to to reemphasize that, like all these things, as you were talking, I was thinking about this, like in Romans eight, the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. And mm-hmm. all of these are, um, our mind being renewed, isn't that we no longer have our mind and now we only have Christ's mind. It's, it's, we are choosing the better of the two where, and, and we're being led by the spirit out of just our thoughts and, and to where we could actually take on and think like Christ. And then in, in our emotions, it's not that we no longer have emotions. It's that we begin mm-hmm. to take on the emotion of Christ. Um, Come on. And then, and then the will, it's not, 
there's a whole great book of, uh, about this, but it's, it's, uh, by Peter Dewitt. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's no longer that you don't have a will. It's that you're being led by the spirit and you surrender on yes, his, come on. his will yeah. and, and all yeah. these things. And so one of the things I like to, I, I like to teach about is, you know, it's not sons of God are led by their emotions or by their will or their mm-hmm. flesh or it's, they're led by the spirit, but the come other on. things aren't bad. It's not bad to have emotion. And, and the way I like uh, to explain it is it's like a, a gaslight. When your gaslight comes on in your car, um, it, it's not – a lot of people get – they get in self-condemnation when they feel certain things. And yeah. and it's like they, they get in this place of what I do wrong and shame and the enemy leads them into that. But like if you're driving and your gaslight comes on, you don't just pull over and just, oh, oh my gosh, I ruined my car. I can't see yeah, woe is me. I can't believe I ended up in this place. It's like, no, you go and look for a gas station. It's it's alerting you of something else that is needed. Come on. And and so you see this with the psalmist David, you know, and, and whether it's his flesh crying out or his soul crying out, Woo! he's speaking to his emotions. It's actually, it's a gaslight. It's, it's uh, not gaslight. Uh, that, that goes into indicator. gaslighting. Uh, but it's an indicator. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. It's an indicator of a deeper reality that's happening. And we yeah. can like, that's all lust is. Lust is our flesh crying out for God. And we typically lean and put it towards other things or our emotions. It's yeah. not that they're bad. You might be feeling uh, depressed or down or whatever. It's not uh, you can get into this while well, I'm just depressed or you can recognize this is your soul crying out for him. Yes. And you can yes. recognize where it's pointing you. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, the Bible says in Proverbs that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down or makes him depressed is what another translation says. And the reality is, like you're saying, that emotion of feeling depressed is actually signaling you've got anxiety. And if you play that out, this might be too quick to say this, but if you play that out, there's actually truth about that. So you've got emotions, right? But there's actually truth in the written word that talks about that because we know from Philippians four, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Right? So it's saying the antidote to anxiety is to allow your request to be made known to God. And we also see that when Jesus talks about mammon, he's saying that don't be anxious like the Gentiles. Right. And then the next verse or the verse before they're juxtaposed is talking about mammon, which is an idol. And so actually the Lord spoke to me one time when I was feeling anxious. He said, Peter, do you know that anxiety requires an idol? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh. And so you see in Philippians 4, it's saying, don't be anxious, but instead let your requests be made known. So an idol is any false source. And so mm-hmm. God wants to be our source in anything. And so if I've got anxiety going on in my heart, I know that somewhere I'm looking to a source that can't satisfy like God satisfies, wow. right? But now but now you go into Proverbs and it says that, that depression is coming from anxiety in the heart. And so I'm no psychologist, but but I am someone who, who knows some of the word of God. And what it, what I see there is now if I've got an emotion, like you say, as an indicator, I'm feeling depressed. I can ask myself according to the truth. You see how these work together in discipleship. Where is there anxiety in my heart? Okay. Now there's anxiety here. Okay. In what ways would God like to be my source in that area? Where am I going to a source that's faulty, a source that doesn't give without taking where, you know, because every idol requires sacrifice. Mm. And so if I, if, if I, if I have an idol of being liked, now I've got the sacrifice of flattery and the sacrifice of other things that lay a snare in my life, instead of saying, actually, I'm accepted in the Lord. 
And so therefore I don't need the fear of man to lay a snare in my life anymore. So this is just an example of where an emotion, like you're saying, Ryan, is actually a beautiful tool as it comes up to say, mm-hmm. hey, there's something, this is a very strong emotion. It's not a positive emotion. And this is an indicator to me, not for a need for condemnation, but for a need to dive into the presence of God, to a need to dive into a relationship with someone who's walked with God for a while, to a need to dive into his word to say, what is the truth about this? You know, maybe for a need to surrender, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that God's given us these emotions. And the, the more we walk with God, you know, um, yeah, so... I, I, I want to highlight something that you said. It's not by might nor by power, but by a spirit. And so if you think about each of these areas, it's fascinating because the truth where we're transformed by being renewed in our mind and the Bible calls the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Hmm. And when we think about emotions and being discipled in our emotions, I actually believe that the core emotion that God's trying to disciple us in is love. And so, in other words, like the core negative emotion God's trying to disciple us out of is fear. I think the whole fear-love thing, the emotions are coming out of love or they're coming out of fear. And so when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If any disciple had those things and abounding in their life, we would say, wow, their emotions have been really well discipled. So notice again that in the same way that the sword of the spirit is, you know, that for the mind, there's a spirit piece, the sword of the spirit with the emotions, we have the fruit of the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So again, is what I'm trying to say is that discipleship is not by might nor by power, but by the spirit. <clears throat> and I actually make the argument that the will is empowered by the gifts of the spirit or is connected, I should say, correlates to the gifts of the Spirit. So often we see mm-hmm. the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, operate when we step out to do the will of God, right? The, the, the gifts of the Spirit are for the benefit of others, right? And so so often, like someone will say, man, I just want to see healings. And if you were meeting with them, Ryan, you know, you've seen a lot of healings, but I also know something about you. You went searching for them, you know, mm-hmm. like you, 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 you said, this is God's will. I want to see this happen on behalf of others out of love for others that they'd be touched by the tangible love of Jesus. And an amazing thing happens when you go find people in parking lots at Walmart to pray for miracles happen, you know, and when you step forward to someone who has a need, uh, all of a sudden you do get a prophetic word. And so oftentimes the, it, it, the obedience is empowered actually by the, the power of Holy Spirit. He works mm-hmm. in us to will, and then he works in us to do for his good pleasure. And so when we step into the obedience, it's amazing. It's not willpower, it's spirit power that comes behind us. So when we think about discipleship, not only are we talking about the mind, will, and emotions, but like you were saying so well, it's the spirit. Holy Spirit is the one that's empowering discipleship. If discipleship wasn't powered by Holy Spirit, I mean, it's a self-help plan. I mean, it's, it's, it's go take college classes and self-help, I guess, is fine. And college classes, I guess, are fine. But we're not limited to those sorts of powers. What we're, we have is the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, wanting to transform us, mind, will, and emotions. Yeah. I think something else worth noting, and actually you might have said this in the book, that might be where, where this thought is coming from, because I was thinking about when we surrender our will to him, um, that's actually a form of worship. And this is why, well, taking a step back, 
you you said this, but I want to reemphasize this. It's so essential that we're a part of a community, that we're part of a church, a local church, mm-hmm. not I, an online church. All that they have their place, but you need you need local believers because you need people who are gonna who can hit who can rub you the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I, somebody said this recently, but you know when when you put a a, a Christian under pressure, uh, what comes out of them is what's in them. And uh, they said it better than that, but that's the basic idea. No, that's like, and and so you know, if you're if there's fruit, the fruit of the spirit are in your life. When you go through something, it's not that you won't ever have negative emotions, but what really mm-hmm. it was Dan Moeller who said it. He said much better. Yeah. Uh, but what really comes out of you um, is is what's in you. And uh, and uh, here's how he said. It. He said something along the lines of, "If you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice." And mm-hmm. he's like, "If you squeeze a Christian." What are you, what should you get? You should get Jesus. And, and he's like, but we're not surprised when we squeeze it. You know, if you squeezed a, an orange and got apple juice, you'd be surprised, but we're not surprised when you squeeze a Christian and you don't get anything re- remotely Woo! close to Christ coming out. And, uh, and so that's, I think that's kind of that side of like, we have a lot of Christians that haven't been discipled and, or that's it. Uh, and, and, and so that's why you need all these things. You need a community because you're a community, a church body. You look around, it's a bunch of people you'd never hang out with other than the fact that Jesus is your connection. Um, yeah. And they're going to do things and annoy you. And God's going to purposely place people that are abrasive or do things different. <laughs> and and it'll, yeah. it will expose things. And you'll have to have, you know, walk in the fruit of the spirit. You'll have to choose his will over your own. Like you'll have to do these things. Uh, you need people in your life that are peers and and can say, hey, mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Or, you know, when that happened and confront you. And you you need people in your life who, uh, I think Chris Valentin said, the nature of deceptions, you don't know you're deceived. So you need people that you actually trust mm-hmm. more than yourself that they can come in and say, you're actually deceived right now. You don't understand. Uh, you're not you're not recognizing what's happening. And so we need all of that to, to really uh, yep. to, to to be discipled properly uh, and transformed. The, the other thought uh, is I, I was thinking as you were talking like this is this might be in your book, but everything that we submit um, or, or 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 put aside to go after him is a form of worship. And so when, when we yeah. choose, when we choose to surrender our will and turn that over to, for his will, that's worship. Mm-hmm. When we, when we choose yeah. to live out of, out of his, his emotions and what, you know, the fruits of the spirit and, mm-hmm. and, and to abide in the vine versus living out of and being led by our own emotions and, and all of that, that's worship. So good, Ryan. And, yeah. uh, and it's interesting, Bill Johnson has this quote, uh, which I was trying to find, I can't find exactly, but he was saying, God isn't an egomaniac or an egotist that he needs everyone. He just created everyone because he just needs worship. He just needs somebody to affirm his ego. He's like, that's not what it is. He he actually recognizes whatever you worship, you become like. And so he Ooh. created us for worship because as we worship, we become more like him. Not that we'll ever be God or anything like that, but like we'll become yeah. more, we're conformed to the image of, of Christ as we worship Christ. Yeah. So in all of these areas, as we lay aside our will, as we mm-hmm. lay aside yeah. uh, and choose to be led by something else, once again, not neglecting our emotions, um, as we as we take on the mind of Christ and and mm-hmm. and choose his ways that don't make they don't make sense with logic a lot of times mm-hmm. um it's actually worship and in that we are becoming more like jesus in that we are not only being discipled but be, we're becoming transformed as disciples of jesus yeah it's so good what you're saying right because there's there's the the action of worship is such a key component to all phases 
of the discipleship process, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and like you're saying, engaging in the discipleship process is living a life of worship. And one of the things that, that I want to emphasize is we talked and everybody knows this verse, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, two. But before that Romans 12, one comes before that, of course, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oftentimes we can't get to the renewing of our mind in an area in our life because we have an unsurrendered will in that area. Mm. So, so in other words, if I'm not willing to present my body or this part of my life as a living sacrifice unto God, he's saying, I want to get transformative truth to you that would renew your mind in that area. And you're crying out for it. But what you aren't yet willing will to do is to lay down that thing in your life. Once you would lay that down and present your body a living sacrifice in that area, now I could renew your mind in that area. You see, there's an order of operation that happens sometimes there. And I bring that up as an example because so often where believers get tripped up or disciplers, people that are discipling others, is if you over-index on any one of the things, if you over-index on just the mind, you can create robots not realizing that they aren't even able to access more renewal of the mind because they've got an emotional blockage and need a deliverance or sozo time or just a hug, you know, just a hug or a friend, you know, or someone to rub them the wrong way and still love them through the process, even when in their anger they are sinning, but you're forgiving them and being gentle with them and teaching them what gentleness and love could look like. But then conversely, oftentimes what happens is we need to surrender our will in an area before we can get to renewal of the mind. And there's a tendency that people will feel more comfortable in one of these areas, right? There's some people that are so good relationally, they love the emotional side of things. My heart feels good in Jesus today, et cetera, et cetera. But do you have the truth that actually transforms lives? Like, I know that your emotions feel good today, but that's not the fullness of discipleship. And so one of the things that I like to talk about is that when you have truth, which is the mind, plus love, which is the emotions, but you lack obedience, which is the will, or your obedience limited, if I would say that, you know, because, and before I say this, I used to teach chemistry, and there's this idea of limiting reagents. So if you add hydrogen and oxygen together, you get water. And if you have a certain amount of hydrogen and a certain amount of oxygen, it might be that you don't have enough oxygen in order to react with how much hydrogen you have, so you only get so much water it was limited by how much oxygen you had. You know, if you had chocolate chip cookies, flour, sugar, and milk and eggs, you could make, you know, make chocolate chip cookies. But if you only had so much chocolate chips, you couldn't make too many chocolate chip cookies, right? So Mm -hmm. there's this idea of what's limiting the ability for the overall thing to happen. And in discipleship, I find there's often, often limiting reagents in my life and in the lives of others. So if I have truth, which is the mind being renewed, if I have love, which is the emotions being harnessed, but I'm lacking obedience, which is the will being surrendered, I will lack action in my Christian life. And so James says, don't be doers of the word and not hearers only, so deceiving yourselves. And so oftentimes, if I lack the obedience, if the obedience, if the will is the thing that is kind of my limiting reagent, it doesn't mean I haven't surrendered at all in my life. It just means that I might have more truth than I have obedience. I might have more truth than I have surrender. I might have more love than I have surrender. And so I'm filled with the truth that could minister to people. I'm filled with love and a heart to minister to people. I just don't get off my couch to minister to people when God tells me to. I will lack action. And so conversely, or similarly, if I have truth, which means my mind's been renewed, and I have obedience, you know, I'm, I'm, if God tells me to do it in prayer that day, I'm going. 
but I lack love. In other words, the, the emotional side of me, often what happens is I'll lack access in people's lives. First Corinthians mm. 13 talks about if you'll become a, like a clanging gong, you know, like, like you are lacking love. And so to people, you sound dissonant. It's not in harmony. It's not pleasant sounding like you might be filled with truth. You might be filled with power. You might be willing to step out and the power of God's going to meet you there. It's just that people don't really like being around you wow. sometimes. And, and they don't invite you into their problems because you're kind of awkward to invite into problems and stuff like that. And you're, you know, you end up steamrolling them or something like that. So there's a lack of love, which causes you to have a lack of access to people's lives. And then finally, if you've got love, in other words, your emotions have been discipled and like, you are so willing to be obedient. Like, I just love people so much. And when I pray and God tells me like, I go help them or whatever, but you lack truth, you'll lack effectiveness in your ministry. So second Timothy three sixteen and 17 talks about the word of God equips us for every good work. And so if you find yourself that you like people give you all sorts of access, they tell you all their problems, like they, they know you love them and all of that. And you're so willing to have those conversations or whatever. But if you're honest with yourself and you had 45 minutes with someone and they have not had a transformation in that time, despite opening up this difficulty in their life, they weren't delivered. They weren't set free. If they weren't healed, if they didn't see a breakthrough, if they didn't know Jesus better at the end of it, if they didn't have substance that brought them from A to point A to point B, we might be lacking effectiveness. And that's because we're lacking truth because the truth would have set them free. I just didn't have the truth to give them. So I dive back into the word of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, so I could be fully equipped as a minister so that when I do speak out of a place of love and when I do show up out of, out of a heart of obedience, that the truth that's in me actually sets people free. Hmm. That's so good. I, I love how you broke those down. And I, I think too, like about... Um, you know, with our, with our bodies, if we're, if we're eating, uh, eating food and we recognize, you know, what, whatever we, we might be lacking energy or whatever, we might change our diet, uh, mm -hmm. to adjust so that we feel healthy. And so in the same yeah. way, I think, I think part of maturity, um, it, as a believer is being able to recognize exactly what you're talking about. And it helps to have the language you just gave, uh, one of my favorite teachings is teaching on orphans to sons and like, Mm -hmm. teaching on, you know, the spirit of adoption, once you've already been adopted, that doesn't mean all your orphan ways go away, just like you're no longer a sinner, you're a saint, but we can choose to live out of whichever identity we want, we could still operate as a sinner as a, as a son of God. And so in the same way, like, yes. there's these orphan places, but a lot of times people don't even recognize them. So I like I have this teaching where I go through and just kind of address different ones. And so we can recognize mm -hmm. in in I call it uh you know, there's positional righteousness by what Jesus did and there's situational righteousness and, and what we choose and how we align ourselves. Come on, that is good. And, yeah. And so like we can we can align ourselves with either the orphan the decision or the other. Well, I think it's the same way with all of these. We can begin to recognize like maybe I'm deficient in this area as a mature believer, not not getting introspective and all this weird stuff. But oh. um if if Holy Spirit's putting his finger on something and now you have this this uh, this revelation, he can put his finger on and say, Hey, you're actually deficient in this area. And now you know, okay, I need I need more of that in my diet. I need more of that to be a healthy, mature believer. Mm -hmm. That's an area that I need to to bring greater surrender and allow Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to transform my life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And and you know, I think that what we're doing today is giving just a little bit of an upshot. Like you said, we talked last time about about um, kings, prophets, priests. And we talked about um, also, I think a little bit like consumer and producer and really the call for everyone to be discipled and, and you know, 
to, to be a discipler. And, you know, what we're trying to do today is, is say that in many ways, discipleship looks like, like Christ being formed in you. And we got born again and the perfect spirit of Jesus came to live on the inside of us, but our soul, our mind, will, and our emotions might not be real aligned to that yet. And that's where the sanctification process comes in. And first Thessalonians four, three says the will of God is your sanctification. And so, you know, I think that this, as we continue to talk on this topic of rediscovering discipleship, I think that this is going to be a really helpful framework for us to come back to. They all work together. You know, we don't have to be weird and awkward, be like, well, is that an emotion or is that a truth? It's like, well, the truth will transform the emotions. And sometimes the emotions will let you access truth yeah. you couldn't access before. You know, they all go together. But sometimes you have to pull apart the chocolate chip cookie to say, here are the pieces that kind of fit together here so that I can be a more effective in making these. And mm -hmm. so in terms of making disciples and allowing ourselves to be discipled, these are the components that at least we see as primary components in the discipleship process. Yeah, that's so good. Well, that's a good landing spot for us. I, I know this is a little bit of a shorter one, but it was a good half hour of, <laughs> of pretty dense, actually, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of substance. Um, okay, well, there will be another part here coming soon once we get some more time to talk into this stuff. Um, I'm excited. This is <laughs> this is all Peter and I have been talking about for a while now offline. Yeah. So it's it's great yeah. to bring people into this conversation. Yeah, we really feel like this is what God's doing in this season. One of the things that he's really emphasizing to us, not what, the only thing he's doing, but one of the things he's really emphasizing to us is this deep discipleship and helping yeah. create cultures where, where that happens. So, so yeah, also, um, Ryan, you're always so good at this, but we'd love to hear any questions that come up. You know, as, as, as you hear this, um, please do reach out with questions, uh, comments, uh, things you'd like to hear more about that'll help uh, pull some things out of us maybe or, or um, in, inspire us to, to, to share different, different facets of things moving forward about discipleship. Yeah. Well, until next time, this has been the FIRE Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire Movement has a mission to bring people face-to-face -face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow this show so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support, Venmo at firemovement, or cash app dollar sign firemovement. Thank you.